There are many wonderful people adding to the positive outlook of a backcountry and hunting lifestyle. Our goal is to join them in promoting that outlook. Welcome to the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and tactics of our outdoor pursuits. Welcome back to the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast, everyone. Brian here, and good friend Jeff Snyder is with me, co-founder of Contact Outdoors and all-around gangster. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for that (laughs) great introduction. It's been far too long since I've been on, so I don't know if people recognize me anymore. Yeah, well, we're going to, hopefully our plan is to make that more of a regular thing. So we're, we're on tonight because... Chad, uh, he's got some things going on. Joe is out of town on an elk hunt. Uh, and then, of course, our other other teammates, Cody, uh, Chase, and Nakota, we're all kind of trying to regroup here a little bit after some busyness that we've had this early fall and waterfowl and vacations and films and things like that. So we want to kind of give an update tonight, more or less, just a, a short update and some thoughts that we kind of think are important going into mid to late season, whether you're out still out West hunting or you're here in the Midwest hunting whitetail or waterfowl or whatever it might be. So Jeff and I are just, uh, basically kind of one of the things that we wanted to, to update everyone on is what we've been up to as contact outdoors. We've kind of been forming in roles for our team and just like, I guess any good organization would do. We're trying to we're trying to di- dial things down and 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 really get to the purpose of what we started Contact Outdoors for, and that is mainly to hear more from you guys, which is our audience and the people that listen to and engage with what we have going on, whether it's our films, our podcasts, our blogs, whatever it might be, social media. We really appreciate all of the support. And it's it's really cool to see everybody kind of engaging with what's going on, and we want to hear more from you. So as Jeff knows, that's kind of the goal that when we started this thing, I guess in 2014, sitting in a deer blind in the snow together, huh? Yeah, it's hard to believe it's <laughs> been that long. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a wild ride so far. There's been some highs and downs and loop-de-loos, and so I feel like we're gaining traction again, and getting things like you said we're trying to get things dialed down and focused in on you know the original purpose and and uh, we've got some new team members once again and trying to get you know feel for their character and who they are and what they can bring to the table and then you know just all the backs back end work of you know the organization side of things the things that most people don't find that exciting some of us do and I don't think there's that many either, but yeah, so it's been good seeing some people uh, really step forward in the in some new roles, in some new areas, um, being able to pick up some pieces and just kind of run with it. So it's been pretty exciting to see. Um, Chad's really taken a, 
a stab at the Instagram and Facebook stuff, and man, he's doing just knocking it out of the park right now. Super cool to see, and we've got, obviously, you know, and we can share a little bit about this. We don't want to get in too deep. You know, I'm one of those guys who I hate when a organization or a group says that they have a project they're working on and it's a secret and they can't share too many details. I, I'm kind of the anti-secret project guy, (laughs) (laughs) but we're going to go ahead and pull that on everybody just because we've got something in the works. Uh, the biggest project we've worked on since definitely 2016 with the black bear film that was in the full draw film tour. It's been far too long since we've done any kind of a big project, big film. We've done some smaller stuff here and there. A lot of more of our stuff recently has been photography, just because I think it's easier and you can get it done faster. What we can share is that it is a film. Uh, it's kind of a feature film that we're working on, and it has to do with conservation. And it was cool to have the whole team together. You know, we had Cody up here and, uh, you know, filming with us and, and, Chase was up here with his camera taking pictures and like always just really, really great content. It was fun to get the guys together, but more importantly, the purpose of this project is something that's near and dear to all of our hearts. Uh, And I think it will be to our listeners as well and the people who follow along with what we do. And it's actually, it's cool because it's something that every single person can get involved with that we kind of have contact with. So, And and by everyone, we mean hunter, non-hunter, hiker, backpacker, office sitter, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, what stage of life you're in, you know, you can still participate in some nature with this. That's kind of why we've been, uh, what would you say, offline for a little bit. We've missed a few weeks with a podcast and that was the reason why we were kind of throwing all of our efforts into that project and it's going to be really, really cool. Right. So we're, ex- we're excited for everyone to see it and kind of start to put the word out about it. We had to make a major collection of time and and people into one area. So it was really hard to broad stroke everything. We wanted to make sure we were doing one thing really well and not a few things poorly. So, you know, our apologies for missing a few podcasts. I think we missed a couple of Instagram posts also, but, you know, we want to make sure we're doing justice to what we're trying to do in this effort. And uh, I don't know about you, Brian, but it's going to be kind of difficult to keep it a secret for as long as we need to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Well, it's, I'm the worst with secrets anyway, whether it's Christmas with Danielle, my wife or whatever it is, I always have a really hard time keeping secrets. So. Oh yeah. You're, you're a leaker. I can tell everybody. I'm a leaker and I'm, I'm notorious for giving away movie plots to people who haven't seen movies. So we'll see how long it stays a secret. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good thing. You're not in charge of, like I said, the Instagram and Facebook feeds. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but one one project we can talk about that's going to be coming out and just everybody kind of be on the lookout for it because it's another project that's kind of near and dear to our hearts and it's a smaller project. It'll be a short film and it is based here in Minnesota, kind of in the waterfowl community with a organization called Capable Partners. And that's an organization that both Chad and Joe volunteer for and I've now had the opportunity as well as Jeff to go be a part of a couple of these hunts and basically it's taking hunters out that have a physical disability that aren't able to get out out into the marsh or on the lake on their own and so there's capable partners that can help bring them out there and hunt so it's really really a neat organization and the people involved are just awesome and so 
did a small, just a, a kind of a short film. Probably won't be any more than five or six minutes, but kind of highlighting some of that. So just be on the lookout for that because it's uh, yeah. it's pretty neat. Yeah, I'm excited to see. I've seen a few clips here and there, but man, I haven't seen anything put together yet. I can't wait to really get a look at it and just dive into it. Being out there for one hunt, just meeting the people involved, getting to know Chad a little more. I've been talking to him for the last couple months, but uh, meeting him through this project and then being able to go out on a capable partners, man, it was just awesome to be a part of something like that and really inspires me to see if there's anything like that going on back in my home state of Michigan. So I'm going to start asking around. It's definitely something to really think about and to be on the lookout for, I think, as as capable outdoorsmen or women is just to be looking for something like that where we can we can use you know so often we take for granted the fact that we are capable and we can go out and do some of these things and you know I think it's just important in any area of life for us to kind of look at other people in in ways to serve other people you know in that in the outdoors too so yeah it's so easy to take for granted that I can walk around you know and that that was one thing that I noticed with a couple of guys that were out there we're out in the marsh you know, hunting on a bank and there's a couple guys in wheelchairs. And I'm like, man, just even their effort to uh, desire to do such a thing and to think, man, if other people can do it, I can do it too. Just to see their gumption to get out there and do it was really eye-opening, I guess to say. Um, Just kind of real inspirational and, and reminder of, you know, I have it pretty good to be able to get up and out and around to do what I want. And now I feel like I should help people in that nature to be able to get out and and experience the things that I just kind of take for granted. It's so easy for us to jump in a boat or do something like that. As outdoorsmen, we kind of think about, you know, what we're going to do next and kind of what our next hunt and our next opportunity to get into the outdoors are. And, and you know what, I've, I know for myself, I've gotten into it becoming kind of a selfish thing and, and not looking to young people and not looking to mentor. And there just, there needs to be more of that. And then, you know, I'll be the first one to admit, sometimes I get so focused on what I have planned and what I'm doing that I forget about the fact that I can help instill some of this knowledge and practice into other people and help other people get into, you know, some, you know, hunting or whatever it might be. So I think it's just a, a good thing for all of us to kind of keep at the forefront of our mind. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've kind of strayed away from that too. A couple of years ago, I was able to get a kid into it. And now he's, this past weekend, he was able to go out on his own and he's showing his brother for the first time how to get out. And they slammed a couple mallards. He's so excited about that because it's his first mallards he's shot. He's been after him for a couple of years. So it's cool. So now I'm kind of like, all right, well, He's kind of got it down, so time to figure out who's next, I guess. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things we wanted to just update everyone on tonight, we'll get into a little bit of kind of some of the personal things we've done, because I know you haven't heard from Jeff or I for a while, and, you know, one of the things is just what's what's coming up, what do we have kind of down down the barrel, and, and we've got a lot of great podcast episodes coming up, we've got a lot of great guests, and for us, we kind of feel like that. that's what makes a great podcast is a great guest. And we've got some awesome opportunities to speak with some great people coming up. And, 
you know, one of the things Jeff and I have talked about with Contact Outdoors is that we wanted to give people a platform that are super legitimate in the outdoor world that maybe aren't, you know, quote unquote famous and, you know, or Instagram famous or social media famous or have their own TV show. And so far, I think we've had some really neat guests on and and we're going to continue to do that. But here over the winter, we're going to really buckle down and, and try to bring some great episodes your way with a lot of great information and some interesting people to meet and, uh, you know, it's, it's always a privilege for us to meet these guests and talk to them, but hopefully we can get their voice out there and, and so they can share some information with, with the audience. Yeah. We've, we've definitely been fortunate with the guests we've had thus far. Um, I can't say there's one where I'm like, man, that was kind of a weird episode, but they've all turned out, they all have such unique perspectives on, uh, what they're doing in the outdoors, their life story on how they got out there and, it's good to branch out because, you know, Brian, you and I, we've got a pretty strong hunting drive, but to be able to have backpackers and people like that on there, it's it's good to broaden our perspective. So I'm looking forward to future episodes and, you know, like you said, who we're going to be bringing on because um, it gets pretty old just listening to the same three or four people talk about their hunting experiences. Yeah, totally. And you know, th- that being said, I know we were talking today a little bit and you brought up bringing into the discussion on this episode, some of the safety aspects, because now I know for a lot of the country, the weather's starting to get colder. People are climbing up into deer stands, just things like that. It's important. I think you, you, it's smart that you brought this up is bringing into the discussion, some safety. Mm-hmm. And, and what we're doing to make sure that we're staying safe and coming back home to our families. Because now's the time, especially for waterfowl hunters, things start to get, you know, a, a, a capsize with a boat or filling up yeah. your waders is a bigger deal depending on where you are and, and what the weather's doing. And obviously never is it a great thing falling out of a tree stand. So no. wearing your safety harness and making sure that you're clipped in on the way up and down out of your out of your tree and and while you're sitting as well so right as waterfowlers we're always looking for that you know that north storm front to push through which brings along hopefully a lot of birds but also some really wicked weather um life jackets probably the most basic form of insurance we have is that pfd just strap it on to you before you jump in the boat and start the engine just it's got to be a habit it's one of them things if you're walking through a bog you know make sure you know where your footing is hopefully you're not walking out it on first time in the dark hopefully you've scouted and you know what you're walking into um even walking through the woods i mean there's tripping hazards everywhere i know this all sounds kind of basic and people are probably just rolling their eyes like oh come on we all know this stuff but it's true i mean i know personally i think four guys that have fallen out of trees and broken their backs yeah um you know we've brian and i have a mutual friend who unfortunately lost one of his best buddies in a waterfowling accident in minnesota i talked to a few old timers that you know they they told me they were walking through a bog and they turned around and their buddy was like through it up to his chest. And I think I remember talking to one of them where his buddy turned around and was just gone. Yeah. So it's, it's the reality of the things we're doing and, you know, we're all after that big game. We're all after that ideal trophy. And at the end of the day, 
we have to think like what's more important coming home to the people that rely on us or a duck or a deer or an elk or something of that nature, you know, I'm not trying to downplay it. Those things are wildly important. You know, I, <laughs> I'm out there also in this crazy weather, but you just got to take a second glance and say, am I doing this right? Am I doing it safe? Am I going to be able to come home tonight or in the afternoon? Yeah, that's, that's been one thing for me for some time just early in my bow hunting career I didn't wear a safety harness and I got turned on to wearing it pretty quick after that and you know don't don't take any of this stuff for granted you know it's just it's important to to stay smart and to I think for me that one of the biggest things in safety I know we've talked about whether you're in the boundary waters or hiking or camping or fishing or hunting or you're shooting ducks whatever it might be is just to slow down a little bit yeah for sure you know, just to, to be a little more calculated and to slow down a little bit, I think is a really, really good practice, something to, you know, it's kind of that patience thing, but Mm -hmm. slow down a little bit. So you're not always kind of on edge and really think about the decisions that you make. And, you know, there's a ton of hunting and outdoor related accidents every year. And if we can try to cut down on some of those, that would be, that would be great. You know, especially, I guess another thing along with, you know, rifle seasons are getting ready to come in for deer and obviously you're carrying a shotgun in the blind and on the boat. And so, you know, muzzle control and, and firearm safety being, you know, at the top of this list, just super important. Yeah. Especially waterfowlers. If you've got a dog, that's a unexpected element. If you've got a loaded gun and a dog, that, you know, you usually have control over all of a sudden is bounding around. You know, I've, I've got pretty good control of my lab and two weeks ago I brought her out with me and my shotgun ended up in the water. <laughs> like, oh boy, I don't know <laughs> yep. how that happened, well, but <laughs> you know, it was shallow enough. I was able to reach down, but it's just one of those things you're like, holy smokes, I thought I had it in a good sturdy position. Right. You know, so even... I, I try to be pretty conscious of most things, but even, you know, just things happen. It's just one of those things that do the best you can and and then try harder. You know, it's basically one of them. I kind of kind of relate it back to, Brian, you, you probably will remember this, but we hunted with a guy a few years back. We were blind and we were um, grassing in our layout blinds. And he said, grass it in as much as you think you need to take a step back and then put more on it. Yeah. And I kind of take that mindset with a lot of things where, you know, when you think you have it right, check yourself and then do it better. All right. Right. So that can go along with the safety thing too. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's a lot of it just comes with experience too, but never let that experience be something that causes you to overlook something. Right. You know, at the, at the same time, because Sometimes I can think to myself, you know, I've climbed in a deer stand hundreds of times and I can think to myself, oh, this is just another time. Yeah. You know, that's just not a good attitude to have when, when, you know, Daniel's obviously hoping that I come back home. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, so. If you don't know what to do, just reach out to people. You've got to have somebody in your circle that's been doing it longer than you. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, get a hold of us. We can give you tips and pointers too. Um you know, Brian, you you and I were guilty for the first little bit when we started bow hunting together, not wearing a harness. And then somebody was like, "Hey, 
where's your harness? And we we're like, oh, you know, it's just one of those things that sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Right. If you think you're doing it right, reach out to somebody and say, hey, how are you doing this? Yeah. Good, good advice. I know for you and I, we've, we've been busy this fall and, you know, more early fall for me, I get home and I kind of have to regroup and settle down a little bit. And yeah, Daniel and I went on our 10 year anniversary, marriage anniversary trip to California a couple weeks ago and had a blast. But yeah. before that, I, I was up in the Brooks range and just to kind of get every, get everybody up to speed on that, it was, it was awesome. You know, had a great year. Like always, there's ups and downs. It's just such a long season, but for the most part, it was incredible. And we we actually, I think for the first time, with the outfitter and guide that I'm with, I, I think it, for the first time, we took every species that he is allowed to take wow. in the season. So yeah, so we had, we in the Arctic, uh, in the Brooks Range, we got a caribou, a grizzly, and a doll sheep, and then... When we transferred to our moose area down around Bristol Bay, we got obviously a moose and a brown bear. So it was a really neat season, really cool to get experience in a lot of those in a lot of those situations. Yeah, you know, um, th- those animals specifically, just learning learning hide and meat care, right? In extended periods of time. And one highlight for me, I just got off the phone with him a couple of days ago. Um, the maker of Uinta knives. I know myself, you, Joe, bought a knife from him. I've talked to him a few times. Um, I have yet to pull the trigger, but that's basically just on my end of, uh, yeah. you know, which knife do I want? He's got some pretty, really interesting knives, and I can't buy them all, unfortunately. <laughs> so <laughs> right, I got right. to start going through the list and picking and choosing. Right, and that's the thing, you know, I, I guess for a highlight, because this year we, we got a lot of animals down, and, and the outfitter and guide that I work for really wanted me to kind of get my hands, you know, dirty, to use that kind of adage and get in there and really start working with these animals. So, you know, fleshing hides and oh, wow. obvious, yeah, doing all that, taking the skulls out and preparing basically those trophies for ta- the taxidermists and then as yeah. well as the meat care. So, you know, I always, I've, I've used a Taito knife for the last three seasons up there and I, I, I use that uh, still, but the Uinta knife that is a fixed blade, a stout fix, fixed blade that Zach over at Uinta Knives made me was really a highlight for me. Just that yeah. that duo of those two knives, I was able to take care of anything I needed to take care of, and it was uh, it was pretty neat. It's a I take my time because especially <laughs> on some of those animals where people are paying that kind of money, right? And I'm I'm new into some of that stuff. Just really taking my time was was key there. But yeah, I feel like if you take your time and go slow, you you stand a better chance of not making a mistake. And <laughs> last thing you want to do is put a hole in a hide for somebody. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And that's a that's a nice thing about these last three seasons in Alaska, is it's given me a lot of experience now in big game hunting. And I joke around a little bit with some of you guys and some guys that I know it's interesting that at this point I know more about hunting those species in Alaska than I do mule deer elk out west you know I probably know the most about whitetail hunting that's probably my forte and then and then turkey hunting and then it's funny because it goes kind of whitetail turkey 
and then it goes doll sheep, you know, <laughs> moose, yeah. brown bears, grizzlies, caribou. So that's kind of a weird thing. <laughs> well, which is crazy too, because this is what the third year you've done this. Yeah, three three years. So really concentrated learning curve there. Yeah, it is. You know, it's a it's so it's three years, but it ends up being three about three months. Right. In in the Brooks Range, and then and then you know a month and a half in Bristol Bay. So you just you just learn a lot when you have that big of a block of time right. to do something, you know, 30 days straight of doing something, you get, you start to get some things figured out. And yeah. I'm really f- fortunate for that opportunity and to have good teachers in that as well up there. Right. So, well, I mean, it does help too that how long has he been doing this now? Yeah. So Dave uh, is his name. He's been doing it. This is, this was his 25th year. So yeah. he's been, he's physically been on 50 sheep, you know, which is pretty incredible. He's been on 50 doll sheep. You know, had his hands on fifty harvested <laughs> sheep. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's wild. But yeah, that's uh, that's kind of all I had going on. I'm I'm gearing up. I've gotten Gage out a few times waterfowl hunting and got him on some ducks and some great retrieves. And then I'm kind of gearing up now for whitetail rut right before gun season comes in here in Minnesota. And then I'll probably bow hunt after gun season goes out if I can stand the temperatures. And yeah. That's that's kind of it for me. <laughs> that's the trick for Minnesota. <laughs> you got to have the right gear. Exactly. Kind of best thing is I just kind of think, you know, at some point you just need to wear a sleeping bag in the deer stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just... No, I can't blame you. And who's going to make fun of you? Yeah. Because nobody's out there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So how about you? What if, what if, uh, we, we were just together We were because of that project and we got a, we got a hunt, couple hunts in together, which was really nice. Oh yeah. It was great. Um, well, it's been kind of a wild year for me. Uh, my wife and I had a boy in the spring and, uh, so that added another kid to our family. So now we're at a, a girl who's two and a half and a boy who just hit six months. So that made my summer and my fall a little slower than expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also trying to breed my lab in the spring, which didn't take, and then in the fall, which also didn't take. So that slowed down my training curve for her for the for the fall. Okay, which which in hindsight was probably just a dumb idea. Um, I was more focused on trying to breed her than actually train her for fall hunting. So. Um, I'm kind of scrambling now. I'm doing as much training as I can with her out in the backyard. I've, I've taken her out on quote unquote hunts more or less to train her and get her used to being in the blind than to actually hunt. Yeah. Um, I've kind of gone purposefully to spots that don't have that many birds so she can just get used to being out there, calming down. Cause she's a very excited dog when she's in the blind. She knows when just like Gage, as soon as you grab your gun or put on camouflage, he knows you're hunting. Yeah. So she does the same thing, and she gets really stoked. And then, like, she's running around the truck. She can't wait to get out there. And then we get out there, and then she, I need to I need to get trained into her to just chill out. <laughs> so Right, right. You know, she's not, like, running all over the place. She's not a maniac, so don't get me wrong there. But she just – she'll sit there, and she, she kind of whines here and there, and – you can just tell, like, after she hits the water, she'll come back and she'll shiver, but not because she's cold, because she's excited. So yeah, it's it's just one of them things. And she'll be four in January, so 
you know, she should be starting to hit that maturation where she can start calming down maybe, but she's a lab, so who knows? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So as far as hunting goes, uh, my early goose, which starts um, September 1st for us in Michigan, um, there's early goose and then there's also an early teal season. Um, Teal, I was able to get out. I got a couple down. Um, I'm still kind of learning the area. Uh, as far as that goes. Goose, I knew in the spring that our goose season was going to be very questionable because of how much rain we got. Um, so really had to watch for that. And unfortunately, we still have standing corn everywhere. So I've got a couple open fields and I actually had this past Saturday had a banger of a hunt. Uh, we got a four-man limit of geese. And out of nowhere, Wood ducks showed up out in this cornfield, which I'd never in my wildest dreams would have thought, and we ended up shooting four of them. So that was a good little bonus. Um, pretty good hunt, great group of guys. Um, I've I met a couple new guys that I started hunting with this season. Uh, they've got a lot more years in than I do. I think they're both about my age, and I think one of them says he's been hunting for like 20 years or something like that. So he started when he was a kid waterfowl hunting. So I'm trying to uh, glean as much off of him as I can as far as like calling, setup, location, how you scout in this area and things like that. So uh, great guy. He's been a great resource. He's an open book for me kind of, so it's kind of nice to have. Yeah, it's it's cool. I saw some of the aftermath of that really good goose hunt that you have, and man, that's just... There's something about really, really good, you know, you were in a field, right? Yeah, we were in a cornfield that was cut. And the, the crazy thing was it was already tilled once. So there was some standing like cut corn, uh, but most of it was dirt. We ended up being able to set in a grass line, so our hide was decent. Um, and then scouting, you know, two days in a row, there were anywhere between four to 600 birds hitting that. So... Um, because of the hide, we were really nervous to not have more than four guys out there. That's one of them hunts I wish we would have had like six or eight just to, <laughs> just to slam, which would have been awesome. But it's always a chance you take. If you get more guys out there, you don't hide as well. So right, played that one pretty close to the chest. Yeah, I didn't really get. I didn't put the word out too much because I didn't want to upset a lot of people. So if anybody's listening to this that hunts with me, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you what that 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 situation you had there looked great. I mean, there's something oh, yeah. about a field goose hunt when it's good that it's pretty tough to beat. So I'm glad you had a good one. It's pretty nice. Yeah, me too. It's been a long time coming because this spring, this uh, early season was miserable. And uh, yeah. Looking forward to, we should start having some good hunts again. Um, corn's starting to come down, so. If the plans kind of work together, my goal is to take a quick trip out there with Gage and see if we can get him chasing down some of those geese in the field. Oh, yeah. He'll love that. Yeah. And I'll love it. Yeah, <laughs> me too. So, well, good deal, man. Yeah, we, you know, we just wanted to take just a, a you know, just a half an hour and, and kind of update everybody on what's been going on just a little bit in our personal lives and then with Contact Outdoors. And we'll be back to kind of the normal scheduled episodes from here on out for the winter. And with BHA, there's they do such a good job with pint nights in Minnesota. And I've been out now to a couple of them since I've been home. And actually, a couple of the guests that we're going to have on, I've I've met there and and just some really great, great people. So 
Um, BHA, if you're out there and you don't know what BHA, it's Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. We advocate for keeping public lands in public hands. And if, if you're interested in that, you can look in the show notes. And we've we put up a lot of posts about BHA just because it's an organization that we believe in big time. So uh, if you are looking to get involved, you know, put your money where your mouth is and and do something for conservation. And, and in this area, public lands is an important one. So we, you know, you, you just never know who you're going to meet at, you know, some of these pint nights that, that you know, and so many states now have chapters and pint nights and get togethers. And so it's really cool to kind of meet people who, kind of think and and do some of the same things that you do so just google search them jump on their website if you don't know if there's a chapter in your state i'm pretty sure they've got a page with a map on it that shows everywhere that they actually have chapters yep and i would guess that if you don't have a chapter in your state just get a hold of them and see what you can do well cool well thanks everyone for listening and and taking the time you know like we said before, we will get back to our regular scheduled programming here on the next episode with with an awesome guest. And really, it means a lot that that you guys take the time to kind of engage with us. And once again, the goal of Contact Outdoors is that we would hear from you. So if you've got a story or an idea or a thought, just reach out to us on social media or email and we'll go from there. Looking forward to hearing about them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, until next time, this is Jeff and Brian signing out and thanks for listening, everyone. The Contact Outdoors crew would like to send out a sincere thank you to all of our listeners. The Backcountry Dreaming Podcast is brought to you by Contact Outdoors and directed by Brian Hallberg. Original music and audio production by Nakota Rankin. Connect with us online. Links to our website, Instagram, and Facebook can be found in the show notes.